Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Uh, Today, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. Uh, We're going to look at Luke chapter 24 on the screen, so go to Mark 10. We'll read Mark 10 first, and then we will read Luke 24, and we'll read a significant uh, portion of Luke 24 today. Now, one of the things that happened a lot in Jesus's ministry, when he would pull aside his disciples and go over what the future would look like. This is called prophecy, um, and God will give us prophecy for many different reasons, but one of them is to seal a word in our heart, uh, that this is something that's going to happen in the future so that our heart can be ready for it and our heart can be expecting it. And so Jesus did this often. We see this in Mark chapter 2 and verse 32. They were going on the road to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them and they were amazed and those who followed him were fearful. And again, he took the 12 aside. Now notice, again, he took the 12 aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Uh, saying, behold, we are going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will spit on him. They will scourge him. They will kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Now, I want to emphasize that Jesus said this again, meaning he said it before. Uh, So Jesus is constantly trying to brace his disciples for the following, that they are about to enter into a season that's not going to be that pleasant. In fact, it's going to be very dark and it's going to look like the bad guys are winning. Uh, It's going to look like that death is having its final say. And he's trying to brace their heart for this moment. He, he later tries to get his disciples kind of prayed up for the moment. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray lest you enter into temptation. He knows what's coming. But he promises that at the end of this dark season, there will be a victory. Uh, and this victory will be death will not be able to hold Christ. He will rise again from the grave And he makes this promise to his disciples again and again. Now, here's something I just kind of want to pull away from the narrative before going right back in. Uh, Jesus, to every person in this room, every person at Highland Colony, Poindexter Fondra, and every person watching online has made to us exceeding great and precious promises. Things that he has spoken to our lives from his word and also things that he has spoken to our hearts things that he has spoken to us concerning our children, things that he has spoken concerning to us uh, regarding our health. God has made promises unto us. And I want to ask you, what are you doing with those promises? Are you adamantly reaching for them? Are you expecting to see the goodness of God in the land of the living and God to be faithful to every promise he has made you? Because what we're going to see is that in the lives of the disciples, they did not take him at his word. And this promise of resurrection and this promise that death will not be able to hold Christ is something that they heard him say, 
but it was something that their soul could not wrap around. And, and watch how this plays out in Luke chapter 24 and verse number one. But when the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which, which they had prepared. Now, these were spices for death. Um, it's like, okay, we know he's dead. And he told them, no, <laughs> I'm going to rise. But on the third day, they're not coming with like, we can't wait to see the promise fulfilled. They're coming with spices to like anoint the body so it can stay fresh and these types of things. But when they get there at verse two, they found the stone was rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord. And while they were perplexed, and now do you see how the promise that God has made them has completely left their heart? They're, they're not like, ah, he did it. God was faithful. It's like, where is the body? It's like, he has told them again and again, like on the third day, I will rise. And they go in perplexed because there's like, there is no body. Um, and angels appeared to them. Uh, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothes, and the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. And the angel said unto them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? I love this. He is not here. He is not here, but he has risen. And then notice, remember what he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. So even the angels are like, come on, man. Like he told you he would do this. He made a promise to you. Uh, And in verse uh, eight, they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the 11 and the rest. So these were the 11, the, the 11 disciples who were left. You remember Judas betrayed the Lord. So he is not here in this moment. Um, so the 11 and all the rest. And now there were Mary of Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, also the other women with them telling these things to the apostles. But watch this in verse 11. But these words appear to them as nonsense. So the women are coming back from the tomb. They're like, we went there expecting to find a body. But when we got there, there was no body uh, in the grave. And angels appeared to us. They told us Jesus had risen. Why are we seeking the living among the dead? All that we just read, they came and reported that to the disciples And all the followers of Jesus who were there, the 11 disciples plus the other followers who were there, what did they think this was? Nonsense. Um, They're like, no, can't be. They're confused by these words. Peter has a different approach, verse um, um, 11. These words appeared as to nonsense. They would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb and uh, stooping, looked in. He saw the linen wrappings only and he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. Now, but there's a bunch of other disciples there though, right? So there's a, a lot of people who are hearing the testimony of the ladies who have seen the stone rolled away and the angels. They're telling them, Jesus has risen. And they're like, no, it's nonsense. We do not believe the words. And two of these disciples who heard these women proclaim the report of the Lord that God has been faithful to his promise, these two men begin walking away from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus, the road to Emmaus. It's a seven-mile journey. They're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And watch what happens on this journey in verse number 13. And behold, two of them 
were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And while they were talking with each other about all these things that had taken place, uh, they were talking and discussing Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said unto them, how awesome is Jesus in this moment? And he said to them, well, what are you talking about? And exchanging with each other as you're walking. And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas, um, if you're giving your children Bible names, (laughs) there are some I would suggest And there are others that one named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things which had happened here in these last few days? And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene. Now, keep in mind, the Bible says they were sad, so they're saying it mopey and that type of thing. The things about Jesus the Nazarene. And watch how they lower him now. He's not a savior. Who was. Not who is. Who was a prophet mighty indeed. And word in sight of God of all people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. And watch this. We were hoping. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all these things, it's the third day since these happened. Uh, But these women who were among us amazed us this morning when they were at the tomb early in the morning. They said they did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were, uh, went with us to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they said, stay with us, for it is getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight, and they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour, walked seven miles, probably ran seven miles back to Jerusalem. And found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared unto Simon. The Lord has really risen. Um, Two types of people I want to talk to today. Uh, We see these people signified on the road to Emmaus. These were followers of Jesus who for a season were caught up in the hype. Have you ever been a follower of Jesus who just liked the hype? The hype of what Jesus could do for you when it was exciting of like the worship was lit or whatever the word is today. Uh, And it's just, you know, exciting and you're in the moment and that's where people are. And so I'm there and you have hype. And it's easy to have hype in the, the middle of miracles, but it's hard to maintain hope at a cross. 
And when it comes to the cross season, um, their construct of what they thought Jesus was going to do did not match their reality. Uh, It wasn't just them, but all of Israel had this thought that when the Savior comes, he will deliver them this way, this time, and according to this purpose. That he will overthrow a Roman government, and just like Moses with the law led the children of Israel out of Pharaoh's kingdom, um, he will get rid of Rome and will establish the physical nation of Israel and a physical kingdom. And when he did not do what they wanted to do, what they wanted him to do, and how they wanted him to do it, they began to lose faith. And their soul began to shrink back and they became disappointed. And it leads to them walking away. Now, Jesus has said, on the third day in Jerusalem, I will be raised from the dead. They will spit on me. They will mock me. They will scourge me. But on the third day, I will rise again from the grave. They hear this. And on the third day, instead of like waiting at the tomb for him to come out, they're walking back to Emmaus, a seven-mile journey. And I think we can see a lot about our Lord because when he does uh, appear to people, now let me just backtrack. If you have risen from the dead and you are going to appear to someone, who do you think it would be? Like in this moment, I'm thinking like my mom, you know, like she had to watch me go through all that. I would come and be like, I'm alive, you know, that kind of thing. Or a friend or like maybe your disciples or pilot be like, told you, you know, like that kind of thing. You know, you would, you would come in one of those kinds of moments. But who does Jesus first appear to? It is two men who are walking away from him. Two men who are walking away from a promise that he made them. And I just sense, like, there are some people who are at our campuses, maybe watching this online or next week on Fox, that you have found yourself walking away from a promise God has made you. And you're going back to Emmaus. Where is Emmaus? Emmaus is where you don't have to be great. Emmaus is where it literally, you can't find it on a map. And in fact, people are wondering, like, why did they go to Emmaus? Every theologian says it had to be their hometown because nothing ever happened in Emmaus. You're going back to a place. They're going back to a place that was comfortable, um, where Jesus didn't have to be all that he said he would be, where you did not have to expect the miraculous. Um, you could just maintain this safe life. And Jesus was trying to call them back to Jerusalem and call them back to a place of miracles and call them back to a place of expectation to believe to see his goodness, to believe to see his power literally overcome all of hell. Let's, let, let's just talk about this for a minute. If there was anything hell would have ever tried to have stopped, how many of you know it was the resurrection? And so Easter literally is preaching to us every time that we have it that there is nothing in hell that can stop Jesus from invading your life. That if it could not stop that from happening, it can't stop anything Jesus wants to do from happening. But they're walking away from a God of miracles. 
They're walking away from a God of a breakthrough. They're walking away from a promise that I will rise above it all. Trust me, you will see this. And they're going back to a safe place. They're going back to a place where they don't have to be special. They don't have to step out. They don't have to see the, the goodness of God. They are walking away from a promise. And I don't know if you're there, but I have been there in my own life. Uh, my father passed away when I was 17 year, years of age. Many of you who attend Word of Life know the story. But when he passed away, God made me exceeding great and precious promises. In the middle of my pain came promise. And this is often the way promises work, is promises come in the middle of pain because that's when you need a good promise. You need a good promise when pain enters into your life. And so just through like happenstance and through me being in services, exceeding great and precious promises were made to me about what would happen with my life. And a vision came into my heart that I would actually be able to continue my father and mother's legacy and I would be the pastor of Word of Life Church. And honestly, this Easter is amazing to me because I look at what God has done here at Lakeland and I look at what God has done at Fondren and at Poindexter and at Highland Colony and what God has done online. And it is everything I ever imagined or dreamed. And it's really amazing what God has done over the course of, of 20 years. But when I, I started this uh, journey, I started it with exceeding great and precious promises. But I also started it with the control of trying to control how those promises would be fulfilled and what they would look like. That oftentimes what we call faith is actually control. It's not trusting God will just do it. It's saying God will do it this way and at this timing and he'll do it this way and we'll go into the doctor and the doctor will say this and we'll go in, you know, for the loan and we'll get approved and I'll go and pass your church and everybody will like me. You know, like all of these kinds of thoughts of like what it will look like with faith in God, that with faith, we're actually trying to control Jesus. We want him to be king the way we want him to be king. We want him to do it the way we want him to do it. And we have all of these constructed ideas of what that will look like. And faith is not control. Faith is actually releasing control. It is expecting God will be God all by himself. That he is not just the author, he is the architect, meaning he, he starts the promise, but he plans how the promise will be done. And it'll be done for his glory, not for just our speed of delivery. And out of this, it is by faith and patience we inherit those promises. Faith is where God does a work for us. Patience is where God does a work in us. And oftentimes as believers, we want God to do a work for us, but we are resistant to the work God wants to do in us. But if we will let patience have her perfect work, we will stand perfect and entire wanting no good thing. And so I began to forecast, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but like 25, the church will be here. And by this time, like the white picket fence, and you begin to kind of look out in the future. And it's like, come on, Jesus, you know, come on, God, by this time, this will happen. And by this place, this will happen. And you, you're making it honest, like you're coming with an expectation of the God of miracles, holding firm to the promises that he has placed in your heart. But it's, it's not faith, it's actually control. 
And then things don't go the way we thought they would go. It's like God showing Joseph this dream, like your brothers will bow down to you, but God skipped over like Potiphar's house, the pit, the prison, uh, you know, (laughs) all of those kinds of things. Uh, And in my life, God skipped over a lot, (laughs) like some of the things that I would have to walk through. And I can remember a season like when we bought this property, uh, before my father and mother pa- passed away in 1997, we, we began to get debt-free. Um, we were on Highway 18, um, we, and um, we had been there for several years. And my father was new, like there was a move coming. And so we bought this property, Lakeland Drive, in 1999. And the, the goal was to build a multi-million dollar facility. And then my father passed away on April 17, 2001. And in the middle of that pain, promise came to my heart um, of what God would do in and through my life. And I began to contend for that with control, contend with control, believe to see the goodness of God this way, by this time, and here's how it will go. Um, And it didn't go that way at all. And I began to walk away from Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? It's where God will be the God of the miraculous. What is Jerusalem? It's where God will be faithful to every promise. What is Jerusalem? It's where he will rise above the darkness that is in my life. I began to walk away from Jerusalem and I began walking back to Emmaus, where I still love the Lord Jesus, but it's just there. He doesn't have to be miraculous. He can just be loved. Um, there, he doesn't have to perform miracles. He can just be talked about, oh, he was. Did you see the lingo they're using? He was miraculous, a prophet, mighty deed and power. That's who he was, but we had been hoping. Not we were hoping, we had been hoping. And there's still a whole segment of the body of Christ that has walked back to Emmaus of like, well, he was a God of miracles and, and he was a God who like did some things in the earth and like opened the eyes of the blind and made miraculous things happen. That's who he was and we celebrate who he was. But how many of you know Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever? And he was not just a God of miracles. He is a God. God of miracles. But at Emmaus, he doesn't have to be. It's only in Jerusalem. And I love in this story as they're walking back to Emmaus, and this is where so many Christians are at. They don't feel his presence. They don't recognize he's walking with them, and they don't realize it's him who's talking to them. And there's so many Christians right now who are on that road to Emmaus. And it's like, God speaks to me, but, you know, in fact, like I get scared when people say they heard from God, you know, all these types of things. And God is talking to them and they don't even know it on the road to Emmaus. Walking on the road to the Emmaus without having to see miraculous Jesus, powerful Jesus. And I I was walking that own road of like, I love him, but like, this is good enough. This is safe. The building we had on Highway 18 is a good building. This is good. Let's remodel it. Let's, you know, make the most of it. This is, this is good. 
And, and I remember the, the Lord just so awakening me to like, Joel, like just trust me. Faith is not control. Faith is, is you believing I will be faithful to every word I made you, but I will perform it in my own time and according to my own will to get the maximum glory from this story. And, and I saw God begin to like quicken my soul to believe to see God do something here on Lakeland Drive. And, and actually we had, Janet's here, she's, she's, she's here at the Lakeland campus. Uh, Janet can, rem- we had a lot of car dealerships call us. It's like the land has sat there empty for like years. We, this, it's a perfect car lot because the parking lot was already in. They're like, you know, the cars can be there. And I honestly had thoughts of like, do, would I get a free car? Like if we sold this? Could I get my staff a free car? Uh, you know, and I, I had thoughts in that moment of like, well, we could sell the land to a car dealership and do another work somewhere else and, and begin to walk away. Like at Emmaus, that sounds very safe. At Emmaus, that sounds very good. At Emmaus, it sounds like, well, that makes sense at Emmaus. But at Emmaus, you don't have to see a miracle there. You don't have to see Jesus be faithful there. You don't have to see Jesus come through there. You just go back and kind of exist in a safe little world that your hand made but you never see the hand of God. And I can remember like getting those offers and like my soul entertaining it and like God coming in and walking me with on that road and be like, come on, believe to see me go back to Jerusalem. And I look back at my life of like those moments to turn and to do that. And you know, when we opened up Lakeland Drive, as we're planning it, the, the, we were building the facility and we had another church buying our facility. Uh, and so we had to be out at a certain time and everything was falling apart seemingly. Like in the natural, nothing was working according to our expectation. The building was taking longer. We didn't get our permit fast enough. You know, we're at this stage where like, we're like, okay, we've got to be out of our church at a certain date. And then finally the builder comes to us and he's like, the day that we can open is this date. My father passed away April 17th, 2001. Do you know the date the builder gave us? April 17th, 2011. 10 years to the day. We did not plan that, but I can remember stepping out on that stage and I can remember at the same, literally the same hour, the same hour when I heard that my father had passed away was the same hour I preached the first message on the building he was looking to build. You got to let God be God. You, you've got to let God finish the story. If it's not good, God's not done. He is a God of resurrection. He is a God of life. He is a God with whom all things are possible. Don't you walk back to Emmaus and play it safe. Go back to Jerusalem and see a risen king. Believe and contend for miracles. And I want to encourage, I don't know who you are, I don't know exactly what you're facing, but I want to encourage you, give up control and just hold on to the promise that Jesus will be faithful to those words. But in this story, they weren't just walking away from a promise, they were walking away from Jesus himself. He's just a prophet. And they're like, well, some of the disciples say he's more. 
Some of the ladies came back and said he was actually risen, but for us, they were part of those crowds that considered it to be nonsense, and they're walking away from Jesus. I heard a story this past week. I like to listen to a lot of podcasts and messages and that kind of thing. I'm preaching all the time, so if you're giving out, you need to take in. And um, I listened to this young lady communicate. I could tell she was kind of new. Um, You know, sometimes you can see when there's an inexperienced communicator. But at the same time, I sense the, the witness of the Spirit. And that's always what you're looking for. You know, so, so many times we look for polish, but a, a true minister of the Lord, there ought to be something that sticks. And that's what the anointing does. The anointing makes something stick in your heart. It's not just flash. I, I've watched amazing communicators who've just mastered the art of the trade and they know how to pause and they know the art of voice inflection and like all of these types of things that can, can you know, really connect with the crowd. But the spirit, there's just something different there. And I, I sensed the pull of the spirit and she got up and she was telling her testimony of how she walked through some very disappointing seasons in her life where she had expectations of what God was going to do, and then it did not go that way. And she was tempted to draw back and really to walk back to Emmaus. But instead of walking back, she made a decision to recommit. And so she recommitted her life to not just um, love Jesus, but to contend for every promise God had made her. And she's on this, this journey of like seeing a risen Savior. And she encounters a friend that was like one of her closest friends in high school, And she's at this place where her faith is more alive than ever before. But her friend, when she encounters her, um, has deconstructed her faith. That through what she faced at college and then through her own journey of setting up control and expectations for Jesus of what he would do and when he would do it by, begin to kind of set the framework for how that would happen. And it didn't go that way. And it didn't happen the way she wanted it to happen. And so instead of recommitting her faith, staying in Jerusalem, she's walking away from it. She had deconstructed her faith. And in spite of this girl's trying to kind of coach her through what she saw in her own life, um, this girl just walked away. And they they didn't reconcile, not only to get her to reconcile to Christ, but even their relationship. She said, as long as you're a follower of Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so that hurt, and she felt the weight of that, but she walked in forgiveness and began to pray for a friend. But she said, about two years later, I was in my hometown, and I was at the social gathering, And someone came up and we started talking and they brought up the name of this friend because we were all very close in high school. And she said, when they brought up the name of that friend, she said, I just started weeping. And she said, I was surprised by my soul. Have you ever been surprised by your soul? It's like you're watching a movie and you're trying to be manly, but like you feel the tear and it's like, I should not, this is fake. Soul, what is going on with you? This is not even a true story. Like all of these kinds of things. Like has something ever made you more emotional than you thought it would? And so she's at this moment where she's like, I don't understand why I'm crying from this. Like I forgave her, but it wasn't just crying. She said, I couldn't breathe. And so she said, I I pulled away and just had some moments with the spirit. 
And I, I came to the Lord Jesus and I just said, Spirit, coach me, teach me. Like, what am I not seeing here? Because I have released them and I have prayed for them. And she said the Spirit just spoke to her heart. You are experiencing the pain of being fully known and fully rejected. And when she said that, that just went all over me. Fully known and fully rejected. Because that is humanity's biggest fear. It's why we pretend all the time. The issue with pretending is, is God can't heal who you pretend to be. Which is why God would show up undisguised so that you talk to him honestly. (laughs) Because if you knew it was him, they wouldn't have been that honest. But God wants you to be honest with him because truth sets you free. And you'll never be able to be free until you tell God and yourself the truth. And I I see all the way back from Adam of like this fear of being fully known. That if my wife really sees me, if the Lord really sees me, if I'm fully known, I will be rejected by. And so I, I cover myself and I act like everything's fine. I have no issues. I have no problems. It's just another day. We're good. How how are you? Good. How's the marriage? Good. Family? Good. And we hide behind these leaves because we believe, like, if I really told you what was going on in my family, you would not want to have anything to do with me. Or if I fully told you what was going on in my life, like, fully known, fully rejected. And so we see Adam cover himself up and the Lord comes looking for him. Because here's what you see is how many of you know, like he walks with me and he talks with me and he calls me his own. Like that's a beautiful song uh, that he would tell me he's, you know, I'm his own. But that's not just for the perfect. That's for those who are walking seven miles in the wrong direction. You can be walking seven miles away from Jesus and he'll still walk with you. Seven miles away from Jesus and he'll still talk to you. Seven miles away from Jesus and he will tell you you are his own. Because God is not just the God of the perfect. God is the God of David when he's killing the giant, but he's also the God of David when he's committing adultery. God's not just the God of Noah when he's building the boat. He's the God of Noah when he got drunk. God's not just the God of Abraham when he believed God. God was the God of Abraham when he was struggling to see he could actually have a child. God's the God of the saint, but God also will walk with the sinner. And if you have walked away from from the Lord Jesus, I'm telling you, you may have walked away from him, but he is not walking away from you. And you may give up on him, but our great God will not give up on you. Isaiah 53 tells us this, and I want to close with this. Isaiah 53 just tells us the following. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings, we are healed. All of us, 
all of us like sheep have walked away. Each one of us have turned his own way. But the Lord, even when we were unfaithful, he remained faithful. Even when we walked away, he didn't walk away. Even when we were led astray, he stayed right on track. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Friend, every person in this room has been on the road to Emmaus. Every person at Highland Colony. Every person in Dueling Hall. Every person right there in Poindexter. All of us, every one of us have been like sheep and we have led astray. But what we have seen in our own lives is that while we were walking away, Jesus was talking with us in that moment, trying to get us to come back. And what I love in this story is at the end of it, Jesus is like, I think I'll keep walking. And they're like, no, why don't you come into my home? And when they invited him into their home, that's when he became real to them. And today I'm telling you, if you are walking away from the Lord Jesus, you may not feel him, but he is with you. You may not hear him, but he is talking to you. And if today you will say, why don't you just come in? I just surrender my life just a little bit to you. He will reveal himself to you in ways that you could never possibly imagine. Because the one who fully knows you, fully loves you. And he calls you his very own. And that's the message of Easter. And that's the message of resurrection. Amen. Amen. At all of our campuses, let's bow our head. Let's close your eyes. And right now, no matter where you're at, at any campus, if you are here today and you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're here today and you want to walk back to Jesus, You're here today and you've made, you've been a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, but today you want to come home. At any of our campuses, right now, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If that's you, I want you to do something. If you're ready to invite Jesus in, maybe it's in for the first time, or you're ready to invite him in again. We're not going to embarrass you, but I do want you to make a decision. And if that's you today, would you lift up your hand at all of our sanctuaries and all of our auditoriums, even there online, you can lift up your hand. Somebody says, why does my hand matter? It doesn't matter for us. It matters to the Lord. It's you saying, Jesus, right now, I invite you into my life. Jesus, right now, I invite you to pick up the broken pieces of my life. Jesus, right now, I'm believing to see your goodness invade my road to Emmaus. Hands going up all over Lakeland. We'll wait for you at any of our other campuses. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, everybody, no matter where you're at, let's all pray this prayer together today. You can repeat it after me whether you raise your hand or not. Let's say it loud enough for hell to hear us that Jesus has overcome our sin and our shame. Repeat it after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father. I thank you. Jesus died for me. And because he died and rose again from the grave, he is forever my Lord and my Savior. 
My sin is washed away and so is my shame. I will no longer hold my sin against myself. I am forgiven by Jesus. So today I forgive myself and I say boldly, my best days, my best days are starting right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, churches, let's celebrate Jesus today. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this podcast has helped you spiritually, we're asking if you can help us naturally by sending in a gift or becoming a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc.